in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, as you all know, is a, is a special day and... Uh, Exactly a year ago, our pastor went to heaven, and it's been a it's been a road, it's been a walk. Where are my children? I need my children. I need all of you. Where's Gracie? Please, all the four of you, please come up here. Yeah, just we want to, as a family, thank you guys. We want to thank you for the love, for the prayers. Um, To be honest with you, we didn't think we could do this. We really didn't think we could. But you all came alongside us. You covered us with your prayers, with your love. You supported us and... I know I probably wasn't a good preacher, you know. But you all just, you just kept lifting my hands. And I can tell you today that I'm stronger. Much, much stronger than I was before. I can tell you today that I've, I've begun to see God in a different way. It's almost as if I've just been born again. Because I've held on to Him so tightly this last year. And he hasn't failed me. God did not fail us. God took my husband home. He had finished his work. He had run his race. And it was time for him to go. And there are some scriptures I'm going to do, do, give you all this money to give you all a charge. But I wanted my four children here with me just to tell you thank you. For all you have done for us as a family. For standing with us. For praying for us. And for being there with us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amen, amen. We have some visitors here today. I have uh, the coordinator of our TV ministry. Pastor George and Sister Bennett, they are here. It's been about a year now since we kind of changed things with the TV ministry, and we've just seen an exponential growth. Um, We're having a lot of, I mean, I don't know what they preached, what it was that I preached on Saturday, uh, yesterday. I mean, it was just, the phone was ringing off the hook, and the messages, I've never had time to respond. They're just like, Tens and hundreds of messages. So we know we're making an impact. It's making an impact. Actually now we're getting messages from Ghana, from Cameroon, from Kenya, from South Africa. I'm missing one, Namibia. As well as the different states in Nigeria. Um, Two weeks ago we got a call and they said because of the increase in prices for whatever in the... the, um, Media, whatever, over there, our prices are going up, and it's going to be about 1,200 more than what we were paying before. 
So there are little some things we are considering. But please, if God lays it on, a, on your heart, we, we pay about 10 based on the exchange rate, 10 to $12,000 every three months for the TV program. And we are on there every Saturday and every Sunday for 30 minutes. So we need you to have that at the back of your mind so that God, if he puts it on your heart to give, you will give towards the TV program. Um, secondly, right now we have a church in Kathmandu, Nepal. They are watching us right now. Bishnu is the pre- uh, pastor over there. Some of you know Bishnu when we were doing the Zoom meetings. In 2021, we were doing our 21-day fast, and somehow, he, on the internet, he got to know about it. So he plugged in and was with us throughout that fast and was attending the Zoom meetings we were having all that time every week. And I didn't realize that he called his church the Ark Fellowship because of us. And they are going out witnessing. They've left his house now. I think they just got a small building they were out witnessing this weekend, and he sent me pictures as they were going door to door. And he's giving us interest. He wants to come under our umbrella. In fact, that's why he named his church that he started, the Ark Fellowship. I said, Pastor, good luck. Wanted his church to be international. He's really going to be international. So, uh, Bishnu, I thank you for watching with the church over there. I told him uh, the board and the pastors we meet and we'll decide how to move ahead with that. Amen? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Today, as you can imagine, it took me, I probably three, so I sent her a message title, changed it again, sent her again, and really I have like two messages today. But the first one is not really a message, it's a charge. Is a charge. And I have four scriptures here that I want to look at with you to just um, cement some things about the, about the Word of God, about some things of God that as believers um, we should be looking into some of these things more closely, especially in the times that we are in. In the times that we are in, there are some things that are required of us that may have not been required of us as a body ten years ago, five years ago. So I'm just going to read these scriptures and then kind of give you my my thought behind them. And if we have time, I will go into the message message, which is treasures and secrets of darkness. I want us to first go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I will read from uh, verses 13 to 18. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. If you notice, he didn't say they died. He just said they went to sleep. In the New Testament, when they talk about someone going into heaven, leaving this earth, you will never find the word dead. When Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha, he said, um, um, Lazarus is asleep. If you see everywhere in the New Testament, go and read it. You will never see where a saint of God, a child of God was said to have died. They are only asleep. 
Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This scripture, the charge I have for this scripture is to let you all know that this life is not the end. This life is not the end. I know where my husband and our pastor is, without a doubt. I know what he went through, some things I don't understand, we don't understand. But I know that night before he passed and transitioned, the way, what, how he stood up in that bed um, that Friday night with his eyes wide open like a child that was in a, in a candy store, just looking, looking and turning his eye this way, turning his head this way, someone who could barely... Uh, lift his head because of pain, but had that strength, lifted himself up for two hours from 4 a.m. till 6 a.m., was looking up and down, moving his head all the way, and that look of amazement on his face, he saw glory. He saw heaven. I know that. And once he did that, when he closed his eyes, when the kids came in the room, when Dr. Philip came, he refused to open his eyes. We would say, oh, Daddy, would you open your eyes? Can you hear us? Are you okay? You don't want to talk to us? He didn't want to talk to us anymore, and he didn't want to open his eyes anymore. And I said, you know what? After he passed, I said, after he saw what he saw, he didn't want to see anything here anymore. He really didn't. He really didn't. So I know, I know. And that's my, my thing for you this morning, my charge for you this morning. If we were just here, if this was just it, this life, we would be those without hope, the most miserable. But we know this is not the end. And so it's up to, as you serve the Lord, serve him with everything you have. Because heaven is real and hell is real. The second scripture, I'm going to read it. I want to actually read it in the New Living Translation, Teresa, for time's sake. It says, In as much or because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, talking about Jesus. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. And what was that power? The power of death. So one of the things Jesus came to do was to break the power that the enemy had, which was the power of death. And why was this important that Jesus did that? It says in verse 15, to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime all their lifetime subject to bondage. And that's one thing we as pastors have to start learning to do. 
We have to start teaching Christians, believers, how to die. We teach, we teach ourselves how to live, but we don't teach believers how to die. And funny enough, if Jesus tarries, is a road every one of you looking at me will take. Nobody is 100% probability, probability. We need to teach believers how to live and how to die. It's very important. I, I heard a story of, of a pastor, uh, a, a church member who was sick in the hospital, very sick, and she was screaming, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. Screaming. The doctors, the pastors, trying to pray for her, she was so scared, and she knew the Lord. And after she passed away, the pastor was about to leave, and the doctor called him back and said, you know, as you are teaching your congregation how to live life, please also teach them how to prepare for death and how to prepare for eternity. Because when you have eternity in view, you view life a completely different way. You really do. When you have eternity in view, things that we are so concerned about here really begin to mean nothing, and it frees you from that bondage to do more for the Lord. Because the fear of death make, it keeps people in bondage. It keeps them from stepping out and doing what God wants them to do. Everyone, the next scripture, I'm going to, you know, that, that scripture is so loaded. Let me go there. John chapter 1 verse 6. Just simple. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. There was a man sent from God. There was Pastor Larry sent from God. There was Lily sent from God. That means when you were sent to this world, the Bible says he needs you together in your mother's womb. Before you were created, before you were born, he knew you. And he ordained you. There was an ordination going on in heaven before you were even conceived in the mind of your parents. And God ordained you, spoke into your life things that you will, you, different from me. Every one of us here different. There was an assignment given to you and the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit sent you. So when you see that and you realize that you have an individual assignment, different from mine, different to, from who is sitting by you, then you begin to realize that there's really something you need to do to find out what that assignment is. It says here, John was sent from God. And in that sending, in that lifespan, there was a time he was going to be born to Eli and Elizabeth. There was time he was going to baptize Jesus. There was a time in that sending, in that timeline, that he was going to be in prison. There was a time in that timeline that his head was going to cut off, be cut off. All of that was in part of the sending. So everyone, you have your own destiny. Every single one of us. So please find out what that is. I'm telling you, 
I can tell you now that my husband, even in his, in his death, is speaking louder than some people who are alive. Please don't let your sending be in vain. Don't let your sending be in vain. There are some things we may never understand on this side of heaven, but please start to find out why God sent you here. Because there's an assignment for every one of us. And then this last scripture is where I'm going to stay for a little bit. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul, speaking to Timothy, just before he was taken up to heaven, he said, I have fought the fight, the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This was one of the last statements he said before he, he died. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So a good fight is a fight that has eternal value. But then, when you see the word good, this also means that there can be a bad fight. Just as you have a good fight, there can be a bad fight. So a bad fight is a believer who gets born again, doesn't realize that when you are born into this Christianity, when you are born into this world, period, whether you like it or not, you are in a warfare. Whether you like it or not, it's a battleground. And if you know that, then you know how to live and how to fight. So pretty much he's saying here that, I have fought, I have finished, and I have kept. So these are the three areas every believer you will go through in your Christian work. These are three seasons that everyone will go through. There's a season for fighting. There's a season for the race the athlete. And there's a season. All you just have to do is to keep what you've been given. Those are the three seasons that every one of us here we experience in our life. And I can tell you now, everyone is either in one of those three stages. Now, when you are in the season of fighting, you are a warrior then. You are a soldier you are in the battlefield. Now, the way a soldier fights and the way you, you do your things in the battlefield is different from when you are running the race. A soldier in the battlefield has all those things they put on them. All, they are like loaded down. They camouflage themselves. They have their weapon. And they are against enemies. And as a believer, when you are in that stage, when God puts you in a season where you have to fight, please make sure you know how to put on your armory. Please make sure you know what you are fighting. Because God will train you, but sometimes we don't show up for the training. And each of these levels, each of these seasons in our life, you cannot, nobody can escape it. And so when you are in a season of your life and all God wants you to do is to fight, remember it says in Ephesians that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The fight we are fighting is not you looking, getting a gun and wearing mufflers and going out to the field. The fight we are fighting is a spiritual warfare. 
Something comes against you. Something comes against your family. Something comes against your job, your business, your children. You need to know how to fight. You need to know how to fight. You must fight for destiny. And the earth here is the battleground. The training of a warrior is different from the training of an athlete. And so as a believer, you need to know when that season in your life needs you to fight. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight. Don't give up. You fight until it's a good fight. And it's a good fight when you win. And we're already assured of winning because Jesus already won for us. So if you are in a, a season in your life now where it's like a battle, you're fighting something. Whether it's a financial battle, family battle, health battle, know that the Bible says here that you have what it takes to win that fight. And it's going to be a good fight for you because you will win in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 24 to 25, or 25 to 26, sorry. It says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, this is also talking about the race, both the fighting and the race, I run not with uncertainty, Thus, I fight not as the one who beats the air. What is telling us here is you need to know the battles you're fighting and choose your battles. Some people fight battles that don't belong to them. And when you're fighting a battle that is not yours, the Bible says here what you're doing is you're just beating the air and wasting your energy. There are some things you should just learn to ignore. There are some things you must not let your emotions get you to start fighting things that are not your battles. If somebody is offended at Mrs. C and Mrs. C hasn't offended you, that's not your battle. That's not your battle. If somebody at the office did something to somebody else, it's not, that's not your battle. No, the, the one that's yours to fight. Because if not, you will use all your energy. When your own battle comes, you will not be able to fight it. You will be as one that used, you've used all your, all your energy beating the air as somebody else's battle or something that was not even a battle. Everyone will face a battle. We cannot run from it. Every one of us. Number two, I have finished the race. The journey of life here. Is similar to a race. Now, I don't think you've ever seen somebody who wants to run a marathon go to the start line on your mat, set ready, and he has the attire of a soldier in the, in the field. I don't think we've ever seen that. When the athlete is there to start the race, they are almost to the point of they've taken off everything, even their hair. Some of them cut their hair in such a way so when they are running, the air as it goes through them propels them forward. So they lay aside every weight. They lay aside everything that will help hinder their, their running. And so as believers, when you are in a season where you have to run, that's not the season to fight. 
Sometimes all we just do is fight, 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 fight. Every season in our life must not be a season of fighting. The enemy uses it to hold us back so that we cannot run into destiny. Because when you're fighting, you don't have the energy to think. You don't have the energy to plan. You don't have the energy to progress. You don't have the energy to pursue your vision. You are just in one place fighting, fighting, fighting. And that's one thing we Christians need to realize. Your whole life, our whole life must not be about, oh, the enemy is attacking me. Oh, the enemy is this. The enemy is that. There are some times, all we just need to do is to take responsibility, figure it out, and run with the vision God has given us. It's very easy to sit down and say, the devil did it. And that's what, as believers, we need to get away from that. Believers are becoming mediocres. Unwilling to take responsibility and run and become God, what God has created for them to be. Because they are carrying all this weight that really shouldn't be there. Some very practical things. Some very, very practical things. It's not always the devil. Hebrews 12, uh, chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight so that we can run. What weight are we carrying on us that's preventing us from running the race? For that calling, for that sending that you were sent here. For what you were brought here to, to accomplish for God. Because I tell you, at the end of the day, your whole life, if what that sent, when he said, God sent John, if God sent you, at the end of the day, if that's not what was accomplished, in the eyes of the world, you might have become a multi-billionaire. But when you get to heaven, what matters is, you're going to go give account of that sent. That word, S-E-N-T, is loaded. Is loaded. Is loaded. You need to find out what your S-E-N-T is. And that must be your focus. That must be your primary focus. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. It says here, run with endurance. Which means there's the, the need for us to endure. The race is not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a marathon. And marathon runners have a way they pace themselves. If you are going to get, if you want to run a business, you need to sit down and plan how to do the business. If you want to go to school, you need to count the cost of what it will take you and walk towards it, ask God for help, and do it the way it should be done. Knowing that the end, what you're walking towards, is taking you closer to what God has called you to do. For Laka right there, she's taking pre-nursing classes to be a nurse. I, she's just beginning. I have been at the level now. I've done my doctorate, doctoral level in nursing. There's no more school I will ever go. I'm done. However, if she doesn't count the cost to know that she needs to take 
the BSN, do a prerequisite, then do the bachelor's degree, then do the master's degree, then go to the doctorate degree. And she doesn't do that, and then maybe she comes and decides, oh, Pastor Angela can write prescriptions. She has her own clinic. She can, I'm going to go do that. No. There's a race you have to run to get to where Dr. Angela is right now. And so when you get, it's a, it's a planning. She knows she needs to go to school. She knows she needs to take the prerequisites. And this is where I can be right now. Don't be looking at what she, don't, you aspire to be there, but you know there's work to be done here. There's work to be done here. There's work to be done here for me to get to this level where Dr. Angela is. As believers, we should not try to jump. Jump the process. And then when you jump the process and you're suffering the consequences, you say it's the devil. (laughs) It's not the devil. I had to do exactly what she's doing now. When I came from Nigeria, already had a degree, decided I was going to be in this field, took prerequisites, applied to UT, got in and did my first degree, went back and did my master's, went back and, and did my doctoral degree. I knew what I needed to do at each stage. So as believers, when you're running a race, when you have to, you, I can't tell you all this because we can see people in the world. That's why the Bible says people in the world sometimes are smarter than the children of life because we just think it's going to, God is not a genie. God is not a genie. Claim the scriptures, but walk hard, run with it. It says, write the vision down. Make it plain so that you can take it and run with it. Are you all listening to me this morning? Because we have to be people of excellence. If you are going to speak, if I'm going to, going to there are some places, and I'm not trying to, you all know I'm not, I'm not a whatever person. There are some places I can go in today, just because of the degree I have, the level of education I had, they will sit down and listen to me. This pantry that we started, the way God opened that door, they wanted me to come and take a project for job, for work. Sat down there with all kinds of people there, you know, whatever. And I told them, I don't want that. This is what I want. I want this non-profit thing. I'm a pastor of a church also. I was not, I mean, I could take the contract and, and make a lot of money, but at that time, I knew that was too much on my plate. But I knew the reason why God took me there was because of this pantry. And immediately I opened my mouth, doors were flying open. That's how we started that pantry today. So let me tell you, some things that God requires you to do, you cannot be at the level you are in now. Be willing to pay the price to get to where God wants you to be. Please be willing to, young ones, be willing to spend the time go to school. Go to school, earn a degree. Galatians 5, chapter chapter 5, verse 7, New Living Translation. It says, you were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Who has held you back? When you start running, there are those that will want to hold you back. Unfortunately, that's the world we are in. 
I have known since my husband passed and went to heaven, I've come to realize that not everybody likes you. That's just the truth. Some people, as you're down, they want to beat you for that down so they don't even see you anymore. And you're wondering, I'm already down. I'm already down. I can't go for that down. You don't need to rub it in. I'm not God. I'm not God. I told God one day, I went to him, I was like, God, I'm so ashamed. When they asked me, where is your God? What happened? What do I tell them? He said, Angela, you've been taking all my glory. That's what he said. I said, no, Lord, I, I haven't done that, you know. He said, if you've not been taking all the glory, then don't take the shame. He said, let who took the glory take the shame. And I said, God, it's not shame to you. He said, okay, if it's not shame to you, why are you taking the shame? Why are you ashamed that your husband passed away? Have you been taking the glory? He was my son. He is my son. I gave him to you for a season. He's my child. I brought him to you and I took him away. And I had to, you know, you know how sometimes you ask God questions and then he will turn around and start asking you questions. And when he starts asking you questions, what do you say? What do you say when you know he's telling you the truth? What do you say? In times like that, I didn't create good luck. I didn't create him. I don't know what was put that sent again. That word sent. When that meeting was held before he was sent to the world, I don't know what was in that sense. But I do know without a doubt, that my husband fulfilled his mission. I do know that even, like I said, even in his grave, his life is speaking louder than ever, than some people who are alive today. That I do know. I know he poured himself out. There was nothing left in that man when he passed. Nothing. 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 And that is why, that's what we should all, we should all, all of us should strive to to do. Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. New strength. That means there's old strength. There is new strength. Um, I'm, 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 I'm the testimony of that. There are days you need God for strength for every minute. You cannot even use the strength at 12.05 or 12.06. But it's in trusting the Lord when you don't know where the next strength is coming from. He says, they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. It's that walking, that running, that soaring is based on what? Trust. Trust. If you run all you want to run, if you don't trust God, you ain't going nowhere. Because as you're running, sometimes it's going to tell you to put your leg inside the dark. And you're going to trust him to know that if I take that step, I'm not putting my leg into a hole or a pit with snakes. Because this race we're running, it's not like a, a well-lit road. When she's making plans to do bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree... She's making her plans, but she doesn't know what the next semester is going to hold. But by faith, she pays that tuition, registers for the classes, goes to the next level. And when she finishes that level, she's going to test her 
She's going to have to study, read, take the exam, and they say, okay, you can go to the 300 level. That is the same thing. You have to trust in what you don't know for God to make it known. We cannot walk by sight. We walk by faith. The last one, and I knew I wouldn't be able to go into my message. This is just the charge. Next week I will go into treasures of darkness, okay? The third thing was I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I have fought the fight. I have run the race. And I have kept the faith. There are seasons in your life you don't need to fight. You don't need to run. You just need to stand. You, have you ever watched those, those um, TV anchors or the TV reporters that when the, when the hurricane is coming, they are right, everybody has gone away. They say evac- evacuate. They evacuate everybody. And you see this, this reporter holding his camera or holding his microphone and the wind is blowing and he's like doing that, trying to hold on. All he's just trying to do is to hold on to that microphone and dig his leg in and the wind is like blowing him and he's doing all of that, just standing still in that one place, holding on to that microphone to give you in your bed watching the thing, the news. There are seasons in your life, that's all God will expect from you. That's the season I'm in right now. Because all I'm just trying to do is to hold on. Hold on. So that I don't lose this precious thing God has given me. The faith. It says, to keep the faith. It says, I have kept the faith. That's the season that you need. When it says stand, (laughs) let me read you some scriptures. James 1, verse 12, in the NIV. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. That person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Ephesians 6, verse 13. don't have much time. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand... In the evil day. Everyone has an evil day. Are you listening to me? There's the day of adversity for everybody. When your day of adversity comes, all God is requiring you to do is to dig your leg in and stand. And stand. And stand. No matter how rough the wind is, no matter how strong that gale of force is, just remain standing. Standing. He says, having done all, you would have done everything. The more you do, it might seem like the worse it becomes. The more you, you, you say the scriptures, the, the worse everything is. But you know that God is God and God is true. And so because of what you know, that you know that you know, And that you know that all things work together for good to them who love God. And to those who are called according to his purpose. You dig your feet in and you stand on that word of God. You stand on the promises of God. And you refuse to budge for one inch. He says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13. He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave. 
and be strong. The season of standing firm to make sure the, the, it's like you have a treasure box. Your faith is your treasure. Your relationship with God is your treasure. Your history with God is your treasure. So when those hard times come, when you're needed to stand and stand firm, having done all, stand firm. And sometimes you're standing, things will actually get like those wind coming. Sometimes you're, you're, in fact, you're looking for what to hold on to. And sometimes it will blow you, you will fall. But fall seven times and rise up again. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be weary. It's okay to say, God, if you don't do it for me, that's it. It's okay. God says, come, let us reason together. God is not afraid of your questions. But when you ask him, also be ready, he's going to ask you questions too. It's a two-way street. It's a conversation. You're not just going to ask him and then you will ask him and by the time he starts to ask you questions, you will realize the questions you were asking were so foolish. So you stand. And you keep standing. Because you know how, what? At the end of the day, what really matters is that you served God. You led people to the Lord. He's not going to say, well done, that good and faithful pastor. He's not going to say, well done, that good and faithful businessman. He's not going to say, well done, that good and faithful uh, motivational speaker. He's going to say, well done, that good and faithful what? Servant. So it's what you do to serve him. If all the sum of your life is about serving yourself, you've missed it. If all the sum of your life is serving your husband... You missed it. If all the sum of your life is serving your children, you missed it. If all the sum of your life is trying to be in people's good books, you've missed it. But if all your life is in serving God, being a servant to Him, waiting on Him when you understand, waiting on Him when you don't understand, willing to do what only He says, whether your feelings agree with it or not. You get up in the morning, whether you feel like praising him, you still praise him. Whether you feel like going out to do that pantry, you still go out and do it. If that's the sum of your life, I promise you, one day you are going to hear, well good, well done, thou good, a faithful servant. So today is a rough day hard day. But I'm rejoicing. I'm standing. I will continue to stand. I will continue to be strong. Because I know we here, God has given us a work to do. We have a vision. We have a mission. We already can see what God is doing. Even in the darkness that we've been in, we can see what he's done. And we're not stopping. I know some of us here, the ministries that have begun to come out of this church, people that are prophesying that never prophesied before, people that are praying that never prayed the way they prayed before, people that are taking chances they've never taken before, 
all because they were influenced by a man they knew. How long did most of you probably knew, knew my husband for maybe 20 years or so? But that influence he had is making you taking a step higher because you saw the life he lived. You are doing things a, a, a little bit better. That's what it's all about. If that's all his life achieved, he's achieved it. He served God by seven people. So as you stand on your feet this morning, I want to challenge you that in everything you go through, whether you are in the season of a warrior, a fighter, whether you are in the season of an athlete who has to run the race, or whether you are in the season right now where you just have to do is just stand. Just stand. Know that God is with you. He said he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. But all this we are saying only has to do with you if you know Jesus. I'm talking to people here who know Jesus. And if you're here, you've never known him, you've never given your life to him, you've never at any time said, Lord, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I want it to come into my life, I want it to come into my heart, I want it to make me start these seasons of my life, to start fighting the right fight, to start running the right race, and to learn how to stand. As you bow your heads, everyone, you bow your heads with me. If there's someone here this morning who needs to accept Jesus into his or her heart, please just raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up. Just raise your hand up. So we're all born against sense of God in this place. Praise God. God is good. But one thing I want you to do, I want you to examine yourself. What are, what are those three stages I talked about? Those three seasons. Which one of them are you in right now? Which one of them are you in right now? Are you having to fight? It's like right now you have just one battle after another, after another, after another. Ask the Lord to give you strength. Ask the Lord to give you strength. Ask the Lord to strengthen you. To strengthen your arm to fight the good fight. That you will not give up in that fight. And that you are going to win because it's going to be a good fight for you. Has God called you to start running a race? Running towards your goals? Running towards your vision? If anything is hindering you, if anything is making you to, to, to hold back, maybe God is calling you to a new ministry. Maybe God is calling you to take a new direction in your, in your job or in your career. Maybe God is asking you to do things differently in your marriage. So you can run with that marriage. I want you to surrender it to the Lord this morning. And ask God to give you the strength to put aside. Lay aside every weight that is besetting you. And if God is calling you to stand. To stand firm. Despite what is going on. The winds. Despite the storm. For you to stand still. Ask the Lord also to give you the strength and the perseverance to do that. Father we thank you today. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Father, we know that today is a day of celebration. We choose to see it as a day of celebration. Because we know what your word says. We are not like those in the world who have no hope. Our hope is eternal. Our hope is eternal. We know that everyone, everyone that knows you who goes to sleep, they are with you in your bosom in heaven. And we thank you for the life of good luck, O God. 
We thank you for the legacy he left behind. We thank you for the souls that he touched in his lifetime. Lord, we ask that we will continue to to worship you and, and to serve you and to take on the responsibilities of the kingdom and do it with excellence because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. To you be all the praise and glory, Lord. To you be all the praise and glory, Lord. We thank you for today. Today will be a day of good memories, God. Of thinking and just loving you and and remembering the good times. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.